0: Spurgeon once said, the mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it, there are bottomless pits. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Mental illness is not a new phenomenon and the same biblical truths that have encouraged Christians for centuries can encourage those who suffer with mental illness today. Mental disorder is defined as a wide range of conditions that affect mood, thinking, and behavior. Most common types of mental disorder are anxiety disorder, clinical depression, and bipolar disorder. So how should we as Christians encourage someone with mental illness? Though we may continue to struggle daily in the bottomless pit of our mind, as Christians, we can encourage someone with mental illness by letting them know that you are not alone, it's not your fault, God sees you and is with you, and God's word speaks to you. If you or anyone needs help, contact WalkFanUSA.org. That's W-O-C-F-A-N-U-S-A.ORG. Because you don't have to suffer in silence anymore.
1: And good morning, good morning everyone, hallelujah. Welcome to this service this morning, coming to you from World Archive Church for All Nations in Brazil, Highway, Lawrenceville, Georgia. Amen. Amen. And to all of you that are streaming with us, we want to thank God for you this morning. You are most welcome. We thank God that you have connected with us this morning, and we are praying and hopeful that something that God will say will change your life forever. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. And for those of you that's worshiping in person, we welcome you. We thank God for you. And let me just say this to all of those that's You know, enjoying this message online if you're in the Atlanta area. Church is open. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I know, I know, I know how it is. Just laying on your your bed in your pajamas, having nice breakfast. And you just say, well, you know, let me just chill out and enjoy this message. Yeah, you can do that. However, don't forget what the Bible said that we should not forget the assembling of ourselves together. There is something about coming together in person that you cannot duplicate online. I thank God for online technology. It's been very useful, especially during this pandemic. But listen to me. I mean, there's nothing that can take over being able to hug your brother, hug your sister, exchange fellowship, and love on one another. Amen? So I want to encourage you, next Sunday, be here in person. We have a seat waiting for you. Just truly be here to shake your hand, welcome you, do whatever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The bottom line is, I miss you. Yes. We miss you.
2: Yes.
1: We miss one another. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And uh, you know, this mo- last week I had a, a friend of mine in the service that was here to encourage me. God is just so awesome. And so this week he brought another one. <laughs> God knows I need encouragement, amen. I <laughs> am speaking of none other, the only bishop in the tribe. Yes. Bishop David Adedio, Adissa, or Messiah. Adelie! Praise God. <laughs> amen. All the way from Maryland, Bishop, it's good to have you here. We love you. I thank God for you. And we just bless God for your life. Him and us us together have been to Thailand, done many ministry things together, and it's just been a wonderful blessing. Uh, There's nothing like having your company with you, amen, in the trench hole when things are tough, amen? You're most welcome. All right, let's dive into the message this morning. I know the clock is ticking. Uh, We've been speaking now for a couple of weeks on the journey out of darkness into God's light. And we also have a subtitle uh, whereby we're doing an overview of mental challenges and uh, last week i uh, I, uh, I went a little further and began to look at the biblical example of a person that we're all familiar with in the scriptures that's hard to grapple with these issues and so i did not finish that message last week so i'm going to pick it up from there today so today's installment in this series of message is the biblical example of mental challenge in the scriptures and we are looking at the profile of King Saul. Amen. And let me just say to you again, number one, this is a journey that we're taking. So we're not gonna answer all the questions in one installment. And secondly, I want to encourage you. We have tons of resources available online. Should you need the help, please don't wait until we finish. Get help now because this issue is really, really a very serious issue. Like I said to you in the first installment, one out of every four people on the face of this earth is dealing with one form or the other of mental challenge. Amen? So don't wait. If you need any help, just get it. Hallelujah. All right. So now, last Sunday when I finished the message, uh, me and Dr. Uh, Stephen Onofleck was talking. And by the way, Dr. Onofleck is one of the licensed therapists in the house. Uh, So, those of you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You may want to give him a hand clap. I am not a licensed therapist. Amen. I don't have a couch for you to sit on. I don't. All I have is chapter and verse, but he, beyond chapter and verse, has a couch. And it's a friendly couch. Amen. Amen. If I need it, I'll I'll, I'll get it. So, I'm not saying that to you. Listen, there is nothing to be ashamed of. This is the reason we are where we are. Because many of us are suffering in silence because of the stigma associated with any form of mental uh, challenge. It's a stigma, that's all it is. We have headaches, we don't have any problem saying it. You have, we have diabetes, you say it. You have a uh, heart condition, you say it. Mental challenge is no different from that. So don't let the enemy isolate you to think, ah, somebody's happening to you that's so unique to you that you're you no, 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 there's nothing wrong with you. Remember, you are not alone. Remember, it's not your fault. Remember, God sees you and is with you. Remember, God's word promises to bring you out of whatever you are in. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So we were talking last Sunday after the message, and he said to me, He said, Pastor, fear is the common most foundational factor in all of the issues we're dealing with. Not just mental health. Fear, that one word, fear. Joyce Meyer describes fear or defines fear as false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. It appears so real to the person who is captivated, obsessed to this fear, that that fear becomes your reality, even though it's a lie. So this morning, we're going to move really following the message. In fact, i just remember as I'm standing up here, there's a terminology, Bishop David will know this, FOMO. FOMO is a common, common coinage among investors especially. Fear of missing out. The fear people invest not because they've done their research, not because the conditions are right necessarily, but FOMO, the fear of missing out on a particular investment or the fear of missing out on claiming your dividend early, they make, they make decisions. And we know the consequence of that, FOMO, fear of missing out. And I want to say to you this morning, don't allow FOMO to get you out of alignment. The fear of missing out on something that God has, has for you, don't allow that fear to dislocate you because that's what it's sent to do. Amen? So Saul, as we saw last week, allowed fear to dominate and impair his life. Give me the scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible is very clear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Now notice it is didn't say God, it is not say that God says we cannot be fearful. There's a difference between being fearful at times for good reasons yeah. than having that spirit of fear. Yeah. When you have the spirit of fear, that spirit of fear drives everything you do. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That is not good. So Saul began his career as king being dominated by fear. Now give me Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25 in the Passion Translation. Proverbs 12, 25 in the Passion Translation. Proverbs 12, 25, hallelujah. Thank you. Look at what this is. Anxious fear brings what? Depression. End of story. I just don't wake up having depression. It begins by having anxious fear that is not dealt with. When that fear is not dealt with, it escalates to depression. Fear that I'll fail. Fear that I cannot pay my bills. Fear that my wife will mess around. Fear that my husband will not act right. Fear that my children will be on dope. Fear that they will not pass through. All kinds of crazy fears that if you don't stem and resolve will just continue to escalate. We just came out, well, maybe we, maybe we we are not totally out. We are in a pandemic, that's what they say. For over a year and a half now, people are cooped up in their houses. Working conditions have changed. Living conditions have changed. Husband and wives that used to see each other for six hours a day, now they are stuck for 24 hours a day. They are are graciously tolerating one another, pray in tongues and say, God, I hope she doesn't cross me today and vice versa. So all of a sudden, everything as we used to know them 18 months ago have changed. And the change brings along with it all kinds of fears that, if it's not properly handled, begins to affect us. And if we don't really get a hold of it, can impair the way we live. This was where Saul was. So I gave two examples last Sunday. Now, let me just move very, very quickly. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, this is the third manifestation of fear in Saul's life, 1 Samuel chapter 18. Verses 6 through 9. First Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through 9. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay. Here we go. Now it had happened as they were coming home, where David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that a woman had come out of all the cities of Israel Singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. So far, so good. So far, what? So good. Verse 7. So the woman sang as they danced and said, Saul has slain his thousands. So far, so good. And David is 10,000. What? Verse 8. Then Saul, remember he was a fearful man? So, on top of the fear now, anger. Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. And he said, Hey, let me. I just added that in there. There's no hate in it. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. And he said, "They have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now, what more can he have but the kingdom?" Verse nine. So, Saul eyed David from that day forward. Can you believe that? Okay, before I make the comment on that, give me verse 12 as well, the same chapter, verse 12 and then verse 29. Now Saul was afraid of David. Now I want you to see how fearful this guy is. From last week when we've been studying on King Saul, his entire life is totally taken over by fear of one kind or the other. He was afraid of David. Because the Lord was with him, that is David, but had departed from Saul. Verse 29, same chapter. And Saul was still what? More afraid of David. So Saul became David's enemy continually. Translation Contemporary terms. Saul had only 1,000 likes, <laughs> David had 10,000 likes. So you are on social media, you have 1,000 following, but your friend that you thought you be should be of the same power has 10,000 and you're wondering, how hey, in the world can you have just 1,000 and they 10,000? And you're obsessed with rage and jealousy because someone you know seemingly appears to be more likable than you and for the rest of your life you are trying to see what can I do to be just as likable as David. This is, this is a world. Parents, this is where your children are. They go to school and they are under severe peer pressure to belong and to have friends, and to have people who like them. And if they perceive, whether that perception is real or imagined, if they perceive that they are not liked as much for whatever the reason, they are messed up. They go to, they come home, they're locked up in the room, nobody sees them. It's dinner time, they pick up the plate, they go back to the room. They wash the dishes, they're back in the room. Honey, are you all right? Yes, everything is fine. No, everything is not fine. Everything is not fine. They've been wounded. They've been injured. Why? Because they've believed a lie. they believe believed a lie. This is Saul's problem. Come on. David just won incredible victory for the whole nation. And rather than rejoice for the victory that the nation just obtained, this king is more obsessed by his own personal popularity. That's what fear does. Number four, in First Samuel chapter twenty-two, I need to move very quickly. First Samuel twenty-two verses seven through nine. First Samuel twenty-two verses seven through nine. Praise God! Now, w- while I'm waiting for the scripture to come out, I, I just want to take a minute to thank the media and tech team. Ser- on a very serious note, yeah. The media and the tech team, they're working day and night feverishly to continue to revamp, revise, enhance our online experience. Yeah. And along with that, the people are called the Workfront Engine. Yeah. These are a group of young people that's critiquing the messages, critiquing the services, giving us all kinds of input. And in fact, it was their idea that we should start putting the message notes online yeah 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 so not only are they making the suggestion as to what they think will enhance our experience they are working at it they are the one that made the suggestion are they are the one doing it so really I just want to give them an applause they're doing a great job all of them together and on that note the scripture should be on now praise God hallelujah 1 Samuel chapter 22 verse 7, then Saul said to his servants, who stood about him, "Hear now, you Benjamites, will the son of Jesse give, you, give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? Look at this guy. He becomes tribalistic all of a sudden. <laughs> he called his tribesmen. You guys following David, what is, what is your problem? Why can I not get more likes than him? Is he going to make you captains? Give you fields? Give you value? I mean, this guy is, 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 is becoming crazed by the day. Verse 8. Verse 8. All of you. Now, look at what fear does. Real or imagined. You, you, your perception of the reality is totally skewed. Now, all of a sudden, all Benjamites now, all of you, have conspired against me now i'm bringing these points up because you need to recognize when there are people around us who are fearful whatever it is however real or imagined their view of reality is skewed they may accuse you of things you are not doing not because they want to be evil but because they're already skewed in their understanding and therefore, if you understand that, you should not react to what they're saying. <laughs> you should not react. He's accusing the entire tribe. All of you, young and old, male or female, have conspired against me, and there's not no one who reveals to me that my son has made a covenant with the son of Jesse. And there's not one of you who is sorry for me self-pity, <laughs> Who is sorry for me or reveals to me that my son has stirred up my servant against me to lie in the way as it is this day. Verse nine. Then answered Duak the Edomite, who was sent over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub." I don't want to take time to read all of that. So the point is, fear unchecked. It leads to rage and to jealousy. Unchecked leads to self-pity and ultimately murder. Because right here, Saul decides to kill all the priesthood. Can you imagine that? For what reason? Because of David. Because David has more likes than he. And therefore, anybody who is sympathetic to David is an enemy. And he killed them all. He did. Number five. First Samuel chapter 24, verse 16. First Samuel 24, verse 16, because I want to get solutions as quickly as possible. 1 Samuel chapter 24, verse 16. Thank you, Jesus. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, now this is the context here. Saul has been busy going all over Israel trying to find David to kill him. So in this particular case, Saul was laying down after having searched, after having looked around and did not find David, was resting in the wilderness. And David happened to be around. And David saw him. And David did not kill him. David spared his life. And David called out and spoke to Saul and to his soldiers. And so it was, when David had finished speaking this words to Saul, the Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? Can you imagine? Watch this. And Saul lifted up of his voice and wept. Read on. Verse, 20, verse 17. Then he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. Verse 18. And you have shown this day how you have dealt with me, uh, for when the Lord delivered me into your hands, you did not kill me. Verse 19. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? We know what you will do, Saul. So. <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. Verse 20. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Verse 21. Therefore, swear now to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants after me and that you will not destroy my name from my father's house. Verse 22, so David swore to Saul and Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. Two points I wanna make. Number one, when people are in anxiety disorder or depression disorder, they may have irrational behavior a lot. You're going to see things that are off. You're going to hear things that are off. But every now and then, they'll be perfectly normal and lucid. Sober. They will speak like a professor. And this is what gets many of us. You will say, oh, okay, I mean, this person that just spoke so well, so nicely, so soberly, so right on point now, how can they not be like that all the time? Ah, they're just pretending, they're making it up. It's just a matter of convenience. No, it's not. No, it's not. We've seen King Saul acting like a crazed, madman all along. And then all of a sudden, he looks at David and speaks what he just spoke. Oh, you'll be more righteous than I. Check. That's correct. You had a chance to kill me. You didn't do it. Check. That's correct. Who is this enemy are not killer Check. I mean, everything is at was on point. Question. Does that now mean that it's well? No. That is why what we're dealing with is so, so delicate. And that's why if you have any inkling that you or someone you love may have issues, please get help. Don't allow the myth or the stigma of some mispronunciation or the, or, or, or people say, ah, some No, don't allow that to keep you stuck where you are. No, help is available. Help is on the way, but you have to reach out to get it. You have to reach out to get it, absolutely. So every now and then, they'll say the right things, do the right things, and if you're not careful, you quit that to say all is well. And it's not necessary so. Why? Because we see that a few chapters later, the soul that just appeared to have repented. God is javelin again and said, I'm going to kill this boy. Amen? So we see that there are moments or times when people going through mental challenges who appear to be dysfunctional can be totally, completely, perfectly normal. So don't start reasoning with, as, as a caregiver, as a loved one, as a family member. Don't start thinking, "Oh well, they did this yesterday. Ah, something's wrong. Something's wrong. And then when they are, when they do things that seems to be normal, oh well, they were just protect. No, no, that's the nature of the challenge. Amen. Amen. There's another verse in 1 Samuel chapter twenty-six, verse twenty-one. Okay, let me just read it. 1 Samuel 26, 21. In between chasing David to kill again, in this verse. No, give me the verse. <laughs> First Samuel chapter 26, 21. Thank you. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Again. It's over again for a moment. I have sinned. Return my son, David, for I will harm you no more. Because my life was precious in your eyes this day. Indeed, I have played the fool and heard exceedingly. How much more clearly can he get? He admits it. Now, if you are gonna admit it, why don't you turn around and repent? Did Saul repent? No. No. That's why we know that this is a mental disorder, mental challenge for him. He did not repent. Because in 4 Samuel chapter 28, and this is the last one, First Samuel chapter 28 in verse 5, I won't read it, Saul now begins to seek a witch. Saul now begins to do what? Seek a witch. And I I know when I said that witch, I look at your eyes. I look at all your faces. (laughs) You guys all of a sudden got sanctimonious. All of a sudden you pick up your religion, witch. These guys Whenever you and I turn to any source other than God to resolve our issues and our concern, you are already seeking a witch. It's that, that simple. Witches come in different forms. Yeah. time you resolve to deal and address the issues that confront you, apart from what God has said about it, and the power and the presence of the holy spirit you're already a wizard or a witch <laughs> 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 or, you're, or you're participating in one i don't want to go into any more details on that but seriously look look at that look at the look at how far this man has fallen because now let, let me look at the let, let's look at the solution now number one for me and you we must believe and respond to the preponderance of truth. When you look at the life of Saul, what makes it so sad? There were three things Samuel told him the day he ordained him as king of Israel. Three things. Number one, in 1 Samuel 10 verse 2, I'm not going to read it because of time, Samuel predicted to Saul that the donkeys he was looking for are found. Number two, in first Samuel chapter 10, verses 3 and 4, he predicted to him that on his way back home he will meet three men. And what those three men will be carrying, and what the three men will give him predicted. Number four, in first Samuel chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, he predicted to Saul that he would meet a group of prophets on his way home. And that he, Saul, we prophesy among them. So the point I'm making is those three incidents should have been good predictors to Saul of God's good intentions concerning him. Because the three things the prophet told him, bang, 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 all came to pass in succession. So when he stood before the Philistines at Gilgal, and he was afraid. Afraid of what? The God that spoke three words on you that just came to pass. Is he not the same God that will fight your battles? Those three things were given to him so he, saw can be rested, assured, and confident in God's grace upon his life. Amen? So last week I said, repent from believing a lie. I said, remember, I'm focused on God's love. And now today, I'm going to pick it up, the place and role of prayer. Let me go first to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning from verse 8 through 11. In the Passion Translation, please, the role and place of prayer when we find ourselves in the bottomless pit. This is Apostle Paul speaking, brothers and sisters, you need to know about the severe trials we experienced where we were in western Turkey. That's where Pastor Abike is going for vacation in October. <laughs> <laughs> All of the hardships we passed through crushed us beyond our ability to endure and we were so completely overwhelmed that we were about to give up entirely. Now, keep that scripture there. Let me take a pause. There are those that say, Pastor Bank, how dare you use an Old Testament example to show us that people can have anxiety disorder or depressive disorder? Ah, we are under grace. And therefore, under grace, it's all settled, it's hunky-dory, wonderful, nothing bad can ever happen to us. (laughs) Well, you have not lived in my world, and you have not lived in the world of the apostle of grace himself, who said, brothers and sisters, you need to know. And by Paul's confession, we are seeing here what he went through. Are you kidding me? Actually, I have, more, I have better vocabulary. I just can't speak it in church. What I would like to say about how you blah, blah, blah me. I'll let you fill in the blank. God help you. Amen. <laughs> this man said I'm about to give up. Really? Paul? The apostle of grace, you're going to give up? You don't understand. Read on. Verse 9. It felt huh, like we had a death sentence written upon our hearts. Really? Under grace, that means you are not you are untouchable. And we still feel it to this day. Oh, Saul so was in the old testament. It can't happen to us under grace. Really? It has taught us, now this is the point. It has taught us to lose all faith in ourselves. Hallelujah. And to place all our trust in the God who raises the dead. (laughs) Glory to God. Verse 10. Verse 10. He has rescued us from terrifying encounters with death. So it's not just King Saul. It's not just you. It's not just me. Paul went through it. And now we fasten our hopes on him to continue to deliver us from death yet again. Because Paul understands it's not a one-time cure-all. No! Verse 11. As you labor together through prayer, as you labor together with us. Now, this is the key. As you labor together with us through prayer, because there are so many, in there were so many interceding for us, our deliverance will cause even more people to give thanks to God. What a gracious gift of mercy surrounds us because of your prayers. There is a powerful place of prayers and praying. Not, but notice what this apostle said it was not just his praying it was acknowledging those around him who prayed for him and with him my friends this is where the place of community comes to play you are too small a number to achieve significance like they say in my village who born you you too small. The things that's coming at us, God has so designed the body of Christ that we come together in love and empowering and encouraging one another. This gets a person saying, you know what, I acknowledge and I thank God for your prayers for me. Little prayer, small prayer, listen, I receive it all, I thank God because God used it. But not only that, not only that when God delivers me, God gets more thanks from many more people. You want to talk about Paul, really? I won't read it, but in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 8 and 9, he said, I'm the least of all the apostles. I was born out of season. Why was he saying that? Paul obviously struggled with his own self-esteem. He understood how he was complicit in the death of Stephen. I must have struggled with that guilt over and over and over and over. But God, through his grace and the interceding prayers of the saints, brought him through. And that same God is available to bring me and you through now. Yeah. I told you how I got into this message. I told you. My cousin, small Ali. Like I told you. Till this day, he has a community of people from November 2019 till right now, July 2021. Every day, Monday to Friday, 9 to 9 30 p.m. Praying. Praying. Say praying. praying. Ah, some of you don't want to say you. say praying, praying. <laughs> every day globally. They log on from London, they log on from Nigeria, they log on from behind Atlanta. If he did not have community, how can he do so? This is our problem. We were never created to do life alone. <laughs> never. Ah, we have money in the bank. I have a nice car. I have a good home. My goodness, I take vacation in Orlando, Florida. Glory to God. And if I'm blessed like IBK, I go to Istanbul, Turkey. <laughs> think because you have that, you have the gold standard of living? No, you don't. Because in the day of trouble, you better have a companion or a company to run to. That's what happened to Peter in Acts chapter 12. That's the way God designed it for me and you to live together in community. Oh my goodness. I, I, I cannot, I cannot imagine where Small will have been, except for the community that God built around him? I was thanking my brother and my, um, and yesterday, uh, last one, and they were saying, no, 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 don't go there. I said, why would I not go there? I was in the house, and I was thanking them. Because, listen, I, I can't tell you how many times I'm there in the house, and Small just walks in. And i to you today, I want to eat X, Y, Z. And I hope it's ready. No complaints. No arguments, consistently, day in, day out, day in, day out, the food was supplied. So much I asked you today, how I many hours a day do you cook? Because, I mean, I mean see, I'm, I'm just being serious. Because without the community, none of us will make it. If we don't have one, get one. That's what grace groups is about. To have you plugged in to where you have people of like mind, passion, and interest coming together because in a day of trouble, you need a place to hide. Now, let me just tell us something here. I know my time is gone, and I won't get into any more, too much more today, but that's fine. But I need to make this point. I'm praying that we will learn to start doing community well. Let me tell you what I mean. So here at work, friend. When is our wedding, when we have a wedding, guess who comes to our wedding? The people I know in my same circle. If in this church we have people from Ghana, from Cameroon, from Uganda, from Nigeria, from the United States, if the wedding is a Nigerian wedding, you can forget any of those other nations. They will not be there because we've never learned to be intentional in community building. So if it's a Nigerian wedding, the entire wedding will be all our colorful, nice head ties and Nigerian attires. God help you if you find somebody from Cameroon. God help us if we find somebody from Ghana. God help us if we find somebody from Uganda. We just don't invite them. And we want to be community, you're joking. Community community building has to be intentional. Likewise, if the party or the function was a Ghanaian one, guess what's going to happen? The crowd there will all be Ghanaians. We have not understood community. Jesus was intentional about community building. The Bible tells us he, Jesus, went to the Sea of Galilee and intentionally called out those who wanted to be with him. He did not wait for them to come to him. I dare to ask any of us that's under the sound of my voice, have we ever received company or visitor from anybody other than where you're from? We're in the United States. We want to be African-Americans. We want to enjoy the benefits of the price that was paid by African-Americans in this country. But yet, in our homes, we will not find an African-American comfortable to visit. Why is that? Why? We will not invite one, and we will not go to one. That is wrong. This is not the church Jesus paid the price for. No. No. It's, It's not right. It's not right. And the point is, we have to be intentional. It's not, my phone is not just gonna ring and, and, and a Ghanaian, Cameroon, Uganda will just call and say I wanna come. No, I have to show myself friendly. I have to be available and open up and say, listen, let's do something together. And it starts with our small events, our graduation parties, our naming ceremonies, our weddings, what else do we do? <laughs> Anything else we do, let's do life together. So we pray, amen? Amen. I'm sorry, let me just give you one last one. And I know, I know, I know, I I can see the clock. Remember I had nine minutes over, nine minutes about three weeks ago. Let me get the nine minutes from my back pocket. Nine minutes, I I got nine minutes. I just added nine minutes to the clock (laughs) from my back pocket. So we pray, worship. I'm saying that because we're about to have worship. Worship! Not only do we pray for healing and deliverance from whatever it is, in this case, mental challenges. Worship is a powerful tool. Even King Saul recognized that. Because in First Samuel chapter 16, I won't read it, in verse 16 and verse 23. When he was troubled, he said, bring me a minstrel. Ah, sweet anointed music. I don't, if Dela if was born, then he would have called you Della to come and play. <laughs> but seriously, I don't want you to miss out the place and role of worship. When Kenny's thing happened, in that first week, I will never forget what Small described the agony. He said, when night was coming, he was terrorized, afraid that darkness is coming again, that night is coming again. How will I survive the night? He said, it was so bad. Number one, I know this because when when, when the thing first happened, he could not sleep alone. He had to have somebody sleep in the bed with him. And secondly, he said, even when when he went to take a shower, he had to have somebody stand there while he's taking a shower. Do you understand what that is like? But on this particular day, he just remembered a Methodist hymn. And got the hymn now. And the name of the hymn was, God moves in a mysterious way. Hallelujah. Hey, and he began to sing this song. Sami Badaki was in the house washing dishes. Pastor Thorson was there somewhere, and yet today was just coming in. He said as he finished singing the very first stanza of that song, zoom, the powerful presence of God engulfed around the room. And without a script, Samit Badaki dropped the plate he was washing, ran up and down the room without any rehearsal because something entered that room that all of them could recognize. And he said from that day forward till now, he finally was able to sleep and the dread and the terrorizing pain of the terror lifted. Hallelujah. Don't forget the place of praying and worship. And so this morning we're going to close at this service by singing this song of the overwhelming, reckless love of God, which I know is able to bring deliverance to you right now in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is you are struggling with, whatever it is that's bothering you, there is a power of God present to bring deliverance, to bring wholeness, to bring healing. Embrace His love! Hallelujah!
2: have been so, so good to me. for I took a breath, for I took a breath.
1: very quickly. If you are here in person in the service right now, there is no shadow around you that God will not light up. There is no mountain around you that will not keep down. We do not want this service to conclude without being able to pray for you. If you are in the service today and you say, Pastor or Pastors, I need help. I want you to come to the front right now, even as the song is playing again. I want you to feel free. Come to the front and receive healing, receive ministry. Amen.